Welcome back to the Empire's New Clothes. We're here with a special treat today and also teeing up a new series we're doing. About every 15 minutes, we're going to talk with Dylan Jenkinson, one of our producers. So welcome on. Hey, Bradford. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. So let's dive in first. What the heck is a producer anyways? Okay. Um, it does, <laughs> Producers do a ton of things, but um, if you use the analogy of like a building that needs to be built... Um, usually there's a writer, you know, or somebody who's, who's drafting plans. That's like an architect. Um, and then there's a, a contractor or like the foreman who's actually overseeing the day-to-day -day building and like, oh, the fixtures need to be made in this way, or they, they fulfill the architect's plans. And that's like the director. And, but there has to be like a land developer, somebody who's thinking big picture and knows enough about those other things to assist and to speak into those things. So that's what a producer does. I'm a I'm a generalist. I love thinking about story and the big picture. And then I'm, you know, danger, dangerous enough with certain elements that I can assist where needed. Awesome. So you see a really nice, uh, pristine uh, wetlands and you're like, man, we need a mall there. Oh, man. Yeah, that's like every every bad guy in every movie is like a developer, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's think about this as, as, as cultural development. You know, we see a I like a space, that. a story space, and say, what could we do with that? What could, what story could we tell, and who could we reach with that? So, yeah. So we just had Nick Hilaris on, and then coming mm -hmm. up next week, we got Chris Watling, and you've listened to the the Nick episode, I believe. So, yeah. what kind of yeah, what kind of thoughts did you have on that one? Man, I've been looking forward to talking to you about. Uh, the conversation that you had with Nick because it was a really yeah. it was really fascinating. It was um, super cool. Oh man, he was really engaging and he's obviously really well spoken and um, he's clearly deeply in the business side of you know he 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 knows real estate is his business but he's clearly like a fan of understanding history and and kind of trying to interpret this moment that we're in through the lens of of history and so that was really cool. Um, He's uh, like what I enjoyed about it. The thing that stuck with me was one of the things that he talked about, about America needing a frontier. Mm -hmm. That's what that was yeah. one of the big ideas that stuck with me as a cultural idea. And it actually connected to some things that I've read in the past about, um, you know, about how culture only stays a culture and, and, and a society only stays like fresh and alive when the people that are involved in it are actually trying to actively make something of what they've been given. You know, every generation kind of shows up and goes, okay, what do I got? I got a world war two, mm -hmm. you know, for the, for that generation. Okay. What are we going to make? Like, how can we, what are we going to do with this? You know, given what we've been given. And, um, you know, he had a lot to say about kind of the challenges and the real dangers to America right now, but he had, he had some big ideas that I, I'm looking forward to seeing the comments and people's reactions, uh, you know, to, to what he had to say specifically around immigration. And, and essentially, you know, he was talking about like there being compost, you know, it's like this generation has shown up to like financial compost, you know, like things, some things are, are, are breaking down. And, uh -huh. and some people are really looking backwards going like, how can we make this apple core back into an apple? You know, I just want to get mm -hmm. back to the yeah, it's a good analogy. And he's and he's saying, well, how can we like grind this up and, and plant some new seeds to make some new fruit? You know, like something. How can we refresh? And so I'll I'll leave the details about that immigration, you know, thing for. Um, uh, I just thought his his ideas were really interesting. What did you think? Um, I know you've you've thought a lot about specifically yeah. that big idea. 
I I really like speaking with him, this idea of the frontier and how it kind of gets to the idea of America's divided because when you have a shared idea, a shared identity, and he links that in with this concept of frontier, not like the physical necessarily. It can be Mm. this this new area we're exploring into as a nation collectively together. And through that exploration, we can achieve our dream, the American Mm. dream or whatever it may be. And so I kind of saw that as like that arc. But now I feel like we have multiple ideas of identity, multiple ideas of what are we fighting for? And each side has their own. It's, as you say, like it's quite backwards looking. Like this is what we were. We're not quite there anymore. We want to get back to that. As opposed to possibly thinking, how can we move together into a new vision of America? Um, and I think the problem is a lot of folks don't see their them themselves their way of life in that new vision that's being proposed by people they disagree with. And I very much appreciate that. I I really appreciate that feeling. And I don't necessarily stand on either side of that. That's why we're here. We're trying to break this conversation apart from its partisan battling and, and try to say, well, what's actually going on? And yeah, one of his ideas of moving forward is through immigration, which again is very partisan. Like it's, it's very, it's a very divided topic. And I don't want to say that his solution is like the way to go. And if you don't agree with it, that's fine. You know, not at all. But I do like these propositions of other ways we can move forward. Um, be, because otherwise, like, what are we doing with our show here anyways? If we're only talking about, yeah, the States is really bad. We're going to decline. It's going to be horrible. I really like that concept of it is cyclical we have risen, we may be having a decline of some sorts and through that we can rise again or not. It's not like that's guaranteed, but I like that cyclicality factor of what comes next. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you compare it to a person, like we all have to go through these times where we are strong and we know what we're doing. Right. And then we reach a point where it would be the best thing for us to look at ourselves and say, actually, I'm not that strong or that thing that served me really well. It's now like keeping me from doing the thing I, I need to do, you mm-hmm. know, like person, you can't actually personally grow or go anywhere if you don't take a moment to, to, you know, in a sense, you, you have to go through winter to get back to spring yeah. and actually consider that, consider that and be honest about it. Right. And if you mm-hmm. always want to be living in the summer, just reaping the rewards of, of, you know, that, that's not, it's not realistic. And it's probably like a psychological block to being able to, you know, psychological, spiritual, you know, probably like a whole, you know, a block just to be getting anywhere. So. Yeah. Although it's, this it's, is my, this is where being know, a producer fails me a little bit on. I'm <laughs> No, no, no. That's great. And I, I like that analogy because we look at, let's look at that analogy through a generational lens. You were born in the summer you were told stories from generations that were born in spring and all they experience is spring and summer. And now you are maturing into a fall and your future is looking like a winter. It's complete. It's, it's, it's bogglingly. It's very challenging because you've been told this story, you've been told this narrative. And so of course you're going to want that spring and that summer. 
as opposed to like who wants to say, yeah, my golden years are going to be mm. in this like this winter. Mm. And, and so again, like I really appreciate these deep feelings that we attach with all the stuff that's going on. And, and ultimately we want to understand, we all want to understand and we come to different conclusions. Some people have concluded that the earth is flat. Other people have concluded that there's a, I mean, we're going to go ahead and say it, QAnon, there's a deep state cabal that, you know, gets their power from drinking the blood of children and other horrible things. And I'm not going to stand up here and, you know, point fingers at any of these views. I'm just saying we're all trying to find an answer and we're finding them in different ways because I, at least I believe we are in that cycle, as you say, and it's confusing when the story you're told is it doesn't come to fruition as you mature and you look forward to your, you know, your, your future. Hmm. Yeah. That brings us to, um, you just recently had an interview with Chris Watling, who's going to be, yeah, that was on, super cool. that's the episode coming up on Monday, which I highly yeah. recommend to all our, you know, everybody who, uh, comes across this video and man, it's, it's, it's a great interview. I, the, the hour flew by. And I was listening to you, you guys talk. Um, why don't you break down for me? You know, the, he used debt supercycle is one of the things that you guys talked about. Um, that was one of the things that stood up for me. But what stood up for you from that from that interview? Well, Chris has a really cool, big macro perspective and framework of how he approaches his investing, and mm. through that, we're able to piece out a lot of the the things going on with our society right now. Um, so it, it's, it's really good. You know, the interview speaks for itself, but you know, what I want to ask you, Dylan, is if you could have been in the driver's seat there, not necessarily like I was driving anything, he was driving it, but like, if you could be interviewing, what, what were some questions you wish I would have asked? How we had more time? Where would you have dove in? Oh man, deeper? dude, you want me to critique your interview? I'm just, just go back to, you know, <laughs> page one rewrite. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, man, it was a great interview. Um, and he, you know, one, I just I really enjoyed listening to both of you chat. Like Chris is a very um, engaging guy and he's clearly yeah, well thinking spoken. deeply. Yeah, well spoken and, you know, funny. Actually, I found myself mm -hmm. laughing with you guys a few times. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he has some he has some really big ideas. He clearly cares a lot about uh, income inequality and like the systems that we find ourselves in. And one of the things that he talked about was the idea of a system changing people. Like he was actually speaking, you'll have to listen to the interview to hear what he was, who he's specifically speaking about, but he's speaking about economic thinkers and people who are building our economic systems and monetary systems. And he, um, you know, he talked about how being once in, once part of that system, how the system kind of changed some minds, you know, some people that actually thought, mm -hmm specifically about one of the big ideas he has um, around how to handle debt and how to how to actually bring about some kind of debt, maybe some justice or some resetting of of the system and coming up with a new monetary system that can actually uh, it not get do away with some of the excesses that have happened because we've set up the system in a certain way. And one of the there's two questions that I would that I was really curious, like I'd love to have two hours in a room with with Chris ask him yeah, these questions. Uh, one of them is like, um, you know, clearly the system that was set up now was set up 
um, like when, when, when we're creating a system, they, they're created by people, people with wants and desires, right? So, um, you know, doing away with anchoring the financial system to things like gold or something that's not, not moving, you know, becoming, you know, moving mm-hmm. to fiat. I'd really love to hear his thoughts on like, what's the internal drive? Like, what's the psychological thing that's driving? Cause we've seen these, we've seen that tribe before. And I'm not, and you guys talk about this, I'm not necessarily a fan of like going back to the gold standard or like specific prescriptive answers, but I am, it's a, it, it is important, like that's an important element of like having something, you know, anchoring the system. And when yeah. you take off that anchor, like I would be, I would, I'd be wondering to him like, hey, what were people thinking? Like what, as far as you can tell, what were people thinking was were they we just thinking like we're different now and we can handle the responsibility of being able to uh, manipulate the system kind of without limit um and what's that about like who who's invested who's personally invested in that and the second thing i'd love to you know have an hour of his time on is when it comes to um he he you know is, is a he's written you know publicly and, and published um about his idea of a debt jubilee and kind mm-hmm. of a resetting of the financial system and, and a, like actually people coming together to recognize that this is broken and we need to collectively choose a different system, a, a new way, a new monetary system. And, um, and part of that is dealing with debt. And my question to him would be, how do you see that actually um, playing out practically? Like, who, like where does that, where would the pain points of that be for us? Because, um, or where would the pain points of that be for those who are telling um, telling us that that would be a really scary thing to do. Is that, is that clear? Do you know what I'm saying, Bradford or, um, totally. yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what I think about a debt jubilee like that because I think now we, we can't do that. It would, it would, I mean, the whole system would disintegrate. It would blow up. It'd be horrible. And whoever implements that would be villainized forever. I, I think this system needs to find its own way of wrapping itself up. Mm. And then you could talk about something like that. I mean, it, it been, it's been implemented before. Um, I, in, in the old Testament, it was like every 60 or 50 years or something. People probably know better than I do. Um, and I think it's very interesting because say you're 30 years from the Jubilee, you're not going to give someone a massive loan that, you know, they probably can't pay back in, in that amount of time or in, in more than, you know, say they needed 50 right. years to pay off this loan. They only right. have 30. You're not going to do that. So it, it's anchoring it to something. And just like you were talking about gold, it anchors it to something. So in many of these older systems outside of a totally free floating fiat currency where we can just have more dollars, it, it's been anchored to something in the past. And so I don't, mm. I'm, I'm with you. I'm definitely not up here to talk about prescriptive where we need to go, how we need to fix things. But it seems like some kind of anchoring mechanism could be prudent <laughs> in, in whatever system comes next. Right. Yeah, maybe we should define a term just for people listening to us if they haven't heard his interview. The word jubilee actually is like a debt forgiveness. I should have said debt forgiveness. And, and mm. Chris was actually talking about some form of that, like maybe some discounting or something that's a reset just to say like, Hey, if we just let this continue forward and it's an, it's an interesting idea. I am with you. I don't know how, that's why I want to ask him 
Like, yeah. what would that actually look like? Like, you say that you say that, but that's complicated. People have to get together in a room and agree on that with a lot of different vested yeah. interests. So, how much? To at what point? At what societal kind of pain point would we need to be at for people to really consider that? Um, because you know, there's there are vested interests right now. Um, fiat and printing money is working out really well for some people, mm-hmm. right? Like people who own assets. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there's there has to be a certain point that is um, that would motivate us to look inwardly, and that's again that idea of like the compost thing, right? You know, like at some point mm-hmm. you have to say, hey, we need to plant something new uh, because it is going to degrade to a certain point where this just isn't usable anymore. And I'm, I'm curious about what that point is. Totally. Yeah. Well, that's for Chris Watling interview 2.0. Well, I'll, I'll oh, definitely ask him that. That'd be great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this up. We want to keep these short. Um, just for folks watching or listening, let us know if you want us to keep doing this. Uh, if you enjoyed this at all, we can keep them tighter, make them longer, maybe not longer just yet. We got a lot of other stuff we're doing. <laughs> um, we're going to hope to do this every week. So let us know what you're feeling and uh, thanks for joining. Yeah, let us know if you, have, if you have questions as well that you want us to handle specifically about this podcast, documentary series, etc. Yeah, we'll thanks, definitely thanks, psych Bradford. answer those. Mm-hmm. All right, see y'all. <laughs>